You hear that music. You glance at your watch, but you don't have to glance at your watch because when you hear that music and you know it's Thursday, you also know it's time for at 1046 because that's what it is. We've conditioned you. I don't know what time it is on the West Coast. I guess 746. It doesn't really matter. I'm kidding. But today's episode is brought to you by our presenting sponsors, FactSet, financial data and analytics powered by tomorrow. And of course, Open Exchange, Dan, they manage virtual meetings that matter for the top companies around the world. Dan Nathan, what's going on? Hey, Guy Adami, we got a lot going on here. Not a lot of time to talk about it, man. We are going to get right into it. We had a holiday shortened week. It was a nice holiday shortened week. The stock market's down. Can you believe that? When's the last time you've seen the stock market down, Guy Adami? I would say 1973 when I was just (laughs) turning 40, but that's neither here nor there, Dan. Here nor there. I mean, tomorrow morning is kind of the big kahuna. This is the May, May, May jobs report here. Why is this May jobs report so important to you, Guy Dami? Because the April jobs report was an unmitigated disaster. I mean, all these economists come up, they're expecting a million jobs. I heard as much as 1.6 came in basically at 265. And you know what was fascinating? Do you play poker by any chance, Dan Nathan? Here and there on, on the yeah, here and there. No, yeah. probably not. But everybody has a tell, and the market showed its tell on that jobs report Friday. Because if you recall, ten-year yield started the day one fifty-eight or so. That number came out. They immediately plummeted down to one forty-seven, and then rates spent the rest of the day going higher. So, despite the fact that you had a lousy jobs report, rates still wanted to go higher. So, what does that mean for tomorrow? Well, if you get a hot jobs report, no, by the way, I think we actually may get a decent number. One has to wonder what it does to rates, and then one has to wonder what it does to the broader market, which is why tomorrow, in my opinion, is as important a jobs report as we've seen in quite some time. Yeah, I would just say it would have to be a massive, massive blowout to get rates moving meaningfully higher. You talked about that knee-jerk reaction on the disappointing April print. You saw the 10-year go where it did, but it really hasn't gone anywhere, guy. It's gone right back there. So here's the deal, though, man. If it is disappointing, okay, you're going to have all those people who are calling for the Fed to take their foot off the pedal, that they're going to cause structurally high uh, inflation, and that we're going to see asset bubbles. I mean, they kind of have to shut up a little bit because, you know, who's the they? The, day, the Fed has to shut up for those no, people I saying mean, all, it. all the people calling uh, like for me, it. Like me. Yes, okay, who yeah, say I the understand. Fed's overstayed their welcome. So to me, listen, I think either way, you have a big hot number that gets explained away by some seasonality and a pickup of some of the stuff from last month. And then the flip side of it, if it's, if it's weak again, you're going to say, listen, people are still paid to get home. So at the end of the day, it might not be the big one like we think it is, unless it is a huge outlier. But guy, for the stock market, you were talking about rates. You know, the S&P 500, like we said, as we speak right now, is down about 55, 60 bips here. I know that sounds like a big move, but what is that one-year SPX chart telling you? Because to me, that looks like a little bit of a double top there, buddy. Potentially. I mean, potentially could be a double top. I mean, we've seen double tops in some of the underlying equities that obviously make this up. And now you're potentially seeing this in the S&P 500. And look, I think it's gonna you're gonna come to some realization tomorrow um, whether this thing ratchets through the upside and we test that 4,400 level that everybody seems to be looking for, or if we finally test the lower end of this trend line, which has been you know this great fact set chart, this this lower left to upper right trend line that you drew for us so well. I happen to think, by the way, Dan, and maybe I'm alone in this, but I think at some point we have to visit the 200-day moving average, which comes in around 3750 or thereabouts. That seems like miles away, but you know and I know how quickly things turn 
And I think it could all turn tomorrow on that number. So we'll see. Yeah. I mean, that would be the catalyst, right? If there was some sort of really, really hot number that just overtakes the weakness that we saw in April and speaks to something that's going to happen this summer here. Um, listen, you know, 3750 in the S&P 500 from up here at like 4200 or something like that seems like a long ways away. Let's look at the NDX, the NASDAQ 100 Please. really quickly, guys. Same sort of uptrend. You can just draw it from that November low here and you see what's going on. I mean, listen, there's been relative underperformance in the NDX. We've talked about it. We know why some of the big names have just not been participating, have not broken out. And a lot of those secular high valuation growth names are down considerably from the recent highs. But you have a little bit of a range here, man, below 14,000. There is resistance. And then you have that 13,000 or so, which is that uptrend that seems to be support. So we are probably going to be range bound in the NDX for a little bit. We should be. But again, you know, if rates start to go higher, you and I both know that the these ni- these names in the index don't necessarily like the higher rates, obviously, NVIDIA notwithstanding. And we actually talked about that, if you recall. Yes, we did. At 1046. But, you know, that's neither here nor there as well. Again, 200 day moving average is going to come into play at some point. <laughs> I think it's going to come into play on the back of higher rates. And you mentioned the big one for you, Sanford and Sun fans out there. <laughs> and I know there are a lot of them. Red Fox, it seemingly every show was about to have the big one. And Lamont would typically have to talk him off the ledge. Or if Lamont wasn't around, it was Grady. I'm sorry, Dan, please continue. Because we do have a stock call here. We have an analyst call. Slide it, Earl, as they say for you match game fans. <laughs> William Sonoma, Bank of America upgrades William Sonoma to neutral, Dan, <laughs> to neutral from underperform. So this is a classic case, and I don't know the analyst. I'm not trying to be a jerk, but this is a classic case of an analyst sort of missing it, right? I mean, they had a $100 price target on this stock. Obviously, you saw what the stock has done. We're going to show a chart in a second. And they took this recent sell-off uh, to raise their price target to 180 I find it quasi-interesting. But you know what? I'm, again, I'm not trying to cast dispersions here, but a classic case of missing it taking advantage of a price sell-off to raise their price target. Uh, but I don't think they're breaking any new ground here. What say you and WSM? Because I have some thoughts, Dan. Yeah, I mean, listen, when you're that wrong, you have a sell rating on something and the stock is in your face, you know, 50% at a clip, I, I, you know, not a comfortable feeling. The sooner or later, you have to get off the mat here. You know, to me, this thing looks like it has supported that breakout level in the low 150s here. But let's see. What, what I find most interesting about a name like William Sonoma, interesting dynamics with the pandemic, people forced at home, some of the housing trades that were going on, it really worked in their favor. I don't think anyone thought that was going to be the case in March 2020. But to me, what I think is really interesting is the home builder ETF, which which William Sonoma is a large component mm-hmm. of guy. It's one of the top 10 um, uh, weighted components, the XHB. Here's the one year here, man. And you look at that outperformance. What, what I find is most interesting is you saw that breakout in March. And that was at a time where interest rates were going higher. And look at that runaway. I mean, when it broke out, I mean, it literally went from like 66 bucks to $80. But that island reversal almost that you have up there. And now it really feels like um, it really wants to go lower, possibly to that breakout level in the mid 60s and our very good friend from cornerstone uh, macro research carter braxton worth he put a chart out yesterday on the xhb saying the same thing that we're saying here maybe you see this housing trade cooling off and maybe you see a pullback back towards that breakout level from march but you kind of you want to buy this weakness i want to sell the weakness you want to buy it that's what makes markets and you know you mentioned the fact that maybe the housing trade is cooling off well laura albers is the ceo of uh william sonoma she was on mad money may 27th and she addressed some of the concerns like everybody's bought all the 
crock pots and coffee makers and skillets that they needed to buy. She pushed back and said, you know what? That's not necessarily the truth. And you look at their quarter, Dan, which I know you probably did. They reported on May 26th. And I know you're going to make fun of me. You're probably making a face. But operating operating margins came in at 15.9%. The street was at 11.8%. And oh, by the way, it was up from 6.5% same quarter last year. I want to just point something out real quick because this is what makes markets. On May 19th, this stock was assumed underperform at Credit Suisse with a $117 price target. Initiated outperform at Cowan on April 8th with a $214 price target. You could drive a FedEx truck through that. And why do I mention FedEx, oh, Dan? Well, I know God. you well, you know. Well, I'm just saying. I, mean, I That's know how it. wide the street is. All I right. happen to think it's the upper end of the spectrum. I think this is a company that's um, firing on all cylinders. And I think you take this weakness to buy it. And I think Bank of America is late to the game with their call. But that's just me. Uh, yeah, listen, my, just to put a, a bow on this. Listen, I, I think the housing trade and a lot of the conditions that were in place to make it such an unusual pandemic winter, I think it's going to be cooling off. I think a lot of the uh, kind of unusual aspects um, of what made that housing trade so appealing over the last six to nine months or so, I think abates here. So I want to be a seller of that. All right, moving on to this next abates. call. That's and, really well done and, by you. Good and, work. And you got to look at, listen, guy, Amanda Diaz, our crack producer here, crack she, she producer. tried to do something. She tried to trip me up here right here. So here's the call, right? JP Morgan ups, all caps, yeah, UPS, I see it. I see. price target on FedEx. I think she tried to kind of mess with me here a little bit. But this one was kind of interesting. This has been a story that you've been all over. Um, I've been a little skeptical up here at this point. I think um, a lot of the, basically the trade, both this and UPS, is probably in the stock. But JP Morgan raised their price target for uh, to 366 from 340 readers their overweight ratings say earnings on june 24th should set the stage for another leg higher and what's interesting about this one okay is that when you look at their main competitor we're going to hit that chart in a second there was another leg higher after their earnings about a month and a half ago but looking at the fedex chart right here and i know you love this thing on valuation and i know you love the fact that some of that secular shift towards e-commerce which has been booing fedex and ups over the last year or so is kind of here to stay they pulled forward a lot of sort of behavior that might have taken three, four years of lots of places in America to do this sort of thing. This chart's kind of interesting to me. I mean, like, you know, 290-ish or something like that. If it was there before earnings, maybe you play for that other leg higher. I don't really love it. It's kind of no man's land at this point. It it might be no man's land, but again, they're going to report earnings on June 24th. So now you have a couple of weeks to get ahead of this thing. And I think you're going to see more analysts do the same thing that JP Morgan just did. By the way, so, you know, I know you know this, J.P. Morgan added FedEx to their focus list on April 8th, yeah. and they initiated that $340 price target. So they're getting ahead of this now. And it becomes a math problem. I know you like math. I do as well. You know, that 366 <laughs> number, well, they're going to earn $20 a share. It's about an 18 and a half multiple. I will actually give them a 19 multiple, as I've said on CNBC's Fast Money a number of times, and you have a $380 price target. So I think that's where the stock is going. I think you're going to surprise people this quarter. By the way, FedEx was being run disastrously a year ago. Fred Smith, they've turned it around, and they're a much more efficient company right now. I think I like this call. I think you're going to see more analysts do the same thing, and we'll probably talk about it in the coming weeks at 1046. But I think that's where it's headed, 366 in FedEx, if not 380, Dan Nathan. Yeah. And, you know, we just talked about another leg higher. Look at UPS. I mean, this is one of the most epic breakouts. It had that huge ramp guy last year, you know, off of the lows. And then it consolidated for the better part of like 
August until that breakout in April um, between, you know, a fairly tight range. I want to say 155 to kind of 175. And that breakout, it wasn't just a one-day gap. It kept on going. And then the fact that over the last month it's consolidated very near these all-time highs, that's pretty impressive. They have an analyst day next week. That is before FedEx is earning. So, so maybe you don't get to the levels that I was saying. Maybe FedEx starts working higher, buoyed by some of the stuff that UPS is saying in anticipation of that quarter on June 24. You dropped two buoys. You dropped two buoys on me today. You're like Quint and <laughs> Jaws with the buoys. By the way, just for the folks at home, I actually worked at UPS for a single day and I was voted employee of the month. Think about that. I worked there for a day, employee of the month. That to me is that's unprecedented. Did you use unprecedented before? Or I used it now. There's a little something we like to do here, Dan. What do we want to call this? Um we want to do the one for the road just for that, why not? Just, that's just exactly because what that's we're doing, what we do. The yeah. So, you know, our partners over at FactSet, um, there's a gentleman over there named John Butters. He is their senior earnings analyst, and he has an exceptional blog that I've been reading actually for years. Um, it's called Earnings Insight. And he's going to give us a little preview of the one that's going to drop tomorrow. He had a really interesting chart about Q2 earnings expectations. You know, guy, it is June 3rd right here, and we are in the last month of Q2. This is where earnings estimates start to get fine-tuned. People start, the analysts start sharpening their pencils um, a little bit here. And I think this chart is pretty interesting here. Um, he's talking about, this is the largest increase in the bottoms-up EPS estimate mm -hmm. in Q2 over the first two months of the quarter since 2002. And only thing that really speaks to me is that the analyst community, right, with those EPS bumps, they're starting to get a little bit excited here. You know, we do have the stock market for the most part, very near all-time highs. I know that you're concerned about that SPX, the S&P 500 earnings multiple here. So when expectations get higher and if they are not met, what happens, Guy Dami? <laughs> the market goes lower and yeah. everybody's getting all geeked up here. I love Butter's work. By the way, Dan, I'm going to get us out of here in time. Let's do our summary page quick. Let's yeah. get through this. You want to read it? You want me to do it? Go quick, Dan, please. I'd like, I'd like you to read it because it's well, not we have the right main job. Listen, main yeah. jobs report tomorrow. I think it's a critical number. I think it's one of the most important jobs report we've had in a while. It's really going to dictate where rates go over the next couple of months. Williams-Sonoma upgrade, late to the dance, but I think 180 is a reasonable price target. FedEx, I like a lot. You heard what I said. I think it gets to 380. JP Morgan says 366. Dan Nathan gave you Mr. Butter's earnings yeah. expectations from FactSet. And let's thank our sponsors. Dan, I'm trying to get ah, I missed it. We're you in missed overtime. it, but guys, oh, let me just man, let me let me just say let me just say one thing here. And I know that sorry for you people who have an 11 a.m. Eastern meeting here. We're just going to go a little deep here. I'll just say one thing about expectations about this jobs number tomorrow. I think let's not put too fine a point on it because the market didn't really seem to be bothered other than for about 24 or 48 hours after that April number. And I just think that a lot of these kind of inputs that a lot of investors and economists and strategists are worried about structurally high inflation with the Fed continuing to do what they're doing, I think it's going to be a bit transitory. I'm not telling you that the Fed oh. and their policy right now is particularly correct, but I'm telling you, we're going to look back and say, this was the transitory tantrum of 2021 here, and we really need to make sure we get to the other side of this pandemic. They should start to taper, and they may start to taper, but I just don't see the stock market going bananas when they start to do it, especially if they do it incrementally. I like what you did there. And, you know, people are going to look back at this 1046 episode on June 3rd and say that was some of Dan and Guy's finest work. And I would appreciate that. But you know what I can tell you yeah. categorically that on June 10th, we might even be better than we were today. It's just something to think about as you go through the rest of this week into next week. And Dan, by the way, 
Today's episode of 1046 has been brought to you by our presenting sponsors, FactSet, financial data and analytics powered by tomorrow. Mr. Butters, by the way, doing fantastic work. The charts you saw are from FactSet. And of course, Open Exchange, they manage virtual meetings that matter for the top companies around the world. Say what you got to say on the way out here, Dan. Yeah, listen, thanks to both of our partners. Thanks for tuning in, everybody. Um, you know, listen, I, again, you know, we try to hit the macro. We try to hit the micro. It's what makes a market. You are not going to get Guy Dami and me to agree on everything on this program here. So thanks for tuning in. Thanks for our partners, and we'll see you next week. 